This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Where's the try? And he's always prepared to give it a go. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Hello, and we're on the ball with your new host, Cam Ruslan. In a packed program today, we're going to be doing Premier League, Champions League, Europa League, Europa Conference League, some more Premier League, some Malaysian football. And we're going to be talking, first off, about the situation with Chelsea. And we have uh, some of the finest pundits that are around. It's, it's a combination of uh, Brazil 1970 and Stoke and Pulis. We have... Uh, Box to box, Bob Holmes. <laughs> box to box. Hi, everybody. Um, uh, a good bunch of topics, I think, uh, for us to get stuck into. Hope you enjoy the program. Yeah. And we have the mercurial winger, Arvin Sidhu. Hello, everyone. Lewandowski hat trick, Benzema hat trick, but surely this has to be a best hat trick on a Friday. <laughs> and finally, we have safe hands, Des Corkill. Thank you very much indeed. There's a, I feel like I'm becoming a political correspondent the longer this show goes on because politics is seeping ever further into the beautiful game. Well, and it's going to get more and more as years go by. But for now, we have a situation which is unprecedented. Uh, Roman Abramovich, the owner of Chelsea Football Club and uh, Russian oligarch stroke billionaire, has finally been sanctioned by the UK government. And that means that Chelsea Football Club are going to be hit with many things that they can and cannot do. Let me quickly say some of the things that they can and cannot do. They can play all their matches, both home and away. They can pay salaries of players and staff. They can provide stewards, uh, security and food and drink for fans subject to a £500,000 spending cap. I'm not sure if that's per game. And they can still receive TV broadcasting revenue, prize money, although the assets will be frozen. And the club sale can potentially go through, but Obramovich cannot get any of the money. Meanwhile, they cannot uh, sell tickets to home or away fans except to existing um, uh, ticket holders. And uh, they cannot agree on any transfers or new contracts. They can't sell merchandise at the stadium or online. They can only spend two, uh, sorry, £20,000 on travel for away matches. Lord knows how much they normally pay. And they cannot carry out any building work at Stamford Bridge. Now, I'm not sure if I've missed anything there because it keeps changing. So uh, let me start with you, Des. Uh, what's going on? This is crazy. I wouldn't know really what's going on. Obviously, the sanctions, political stuff is, is above my head. But what I will say is this was always going to happen. Uh, some of us in this room, me, have been complaining about the obscenity of the wealth coming in and the, uh, and the lack of real care of, of where it comes from. And so this is likely to be the first. I mean, Saudi Arabia are involved in a war at the moment in Yemen. Do you sanction Saudi Arabia? Russia, of course, it's, uh, it, it's really... It's, it's dreadful what they've done, but I, I don't recall any such outcry for any previous war by football authorities in, in, in the past. So while I'm not saying it, it, it's wrong, because prob it probably is right, I wouldn't know in, enough about it, but it just seems very, very focused on one country when there's other atrocities going on in the world. Do they not count as much? It, apparently, they don't. <laughs> hey, uh, Bob, what do you think? Does this... Uh, um... Fair, and uh, I'm, I'm going to guess we're going to be seeing more of this over the years. 
Uh, <clears throat> we could well be, yes. Um, <clears throat> uh, fair. <laughs> um, hard one to answer that. I, I don't know at this stage whether you would describe it as fair. I'm sure Chelsea fans will be thinking it's grossly unfair. But they have had the benefit of almost two decades of being funded by obviously dodgy money, at the very least dodgy money. So uh, I think they have to bear in that, uh, that in mind. I think this has the potential to uh, be as transformative for Chelsea as Abramovich's arrival in the first place. And obviously this would be in a negative way. Um, it, we don't know enough yet. And I think the government is kind of making it up as it goes along to some extent. But the key thing will be whether they're able to sell a club to a rich enough person who will be sufficiently interested to back Chelsea to anything like the extent that Abramovich has. If that's the case, then they could be okay. I think they're unlikely to have anyone as generous as Abramovich has been, but they could have a billionaire behind them. And if the manager wants a hundred thousand, a hundred million pound player. hundred thousand. Oh, you're so, so sweet. <laughs> I thought you'd pick up on that somehow. hundred million pound player. Um, you know, he's likely to get it. So it needn't necessarily be the end of the world. But if I was a Chelsea fan, I would be a little bit concerned, to put it mildly. Well, Arvind, uh, you know, won't somebody think of the fans? Uh, I've been looking at some of the Chelsea responses, and uh, a consistent one is, but Roman Abramovich was going to give £2.6 billion to uh, Ukrainian uh, humanitarian causes, and now they're not going to get anything. Uh, the fans are always caught in the, in the middle of everything, and they got no power. But what do you think? I mean, where, where should fans stand? Oh, no, I think the fans are the ones that that stand to lose the most in this. I mean, not just that, but 1,400 people that are employed by Chelsea, they've got no, no say in this. Yes, they've said that they will continue paying them, but money eventually needs to start coming into the club. And in this situation with, with the sanctions, it puts a lot of restrictions of a lot of things that are happening around that football club. But if when I look at it, and, and, I, and I agree with, with, with Bob that, it's a transformative moment for Chelsea. In 2003, when Roman bought them, it kind of changed the landscape. He was the first of what we see have come many, many times after that. But if there's any club who can adopt a siege mentality, uh, us against the world, it is Chelsea. I mean, they've survived two transfer bans. They've got top four with a bunch of kids. They've hired managers in March and in January and won the Champions League. And I put the siege mentality a lot to when Jose Moreno came to the club. He's kind of ingrained that culture with them. So if there's any club that can kind of make their way through this, it would be Chelsea. They've got a lone army out there that they can call back in. A lone army of players out there that are doing well for other clubs. And it's very important from a leadership standpoint that you have Thomas Tuchel coming out and saying, I'm committed to this. It's not going to affect. I love to stay here. I want to continue my job. That's important. You need your manager to do it. So it, it is going to affect Chelsea, but let's look at their current resources or players that they have. Let's look at the kids out there. The one that's going to hit them bad is they've got three very seasoned defenders at the end of the season who are out of contracts. And if those guys leave for free, 
Rudiger, Aspiliqueta, as well as Christensen, if they leave for free and they can't buy anyone in, that's going to be a problem. Mm. And if the club is sold for, let's say, 2.5 billion, uh, I'm not really sure where the money goes. Uh, does it go to the, the UK government? Uh, anyway. But uh, while we're on the, the subject of money, Des, I want to, uh, we were going to talk about this later, but I want to bring it in now, actually. Uh, there's another situation potentially happening because of money with Everton Football Club. Um, it was in the headlines, but uh, is it a big deal? Is, is Everton going to face point deduction? Uh, there's a possibility that Everton will fall foul of the financial fair play rulings, which have been slightly adapted because of the, the, the COVID issues. But Everton are way outside. A team is only allowed to lose X hundred million pounds, which is an obscene amount of money over a, over a three-year period. But because COVID kicked in, the regulations have been relaxed a little bit. But Everton are over what they are allowed to, to lose. And they've lost a, a major backer. Mashir is Iranian, but he's largely backed by Russian money. Um, Uzmanov, uh, I think. Um, and, and so that means Everton is certainly going to have real problems financially. Uh, again, I need to take this back. Football's finances are so out of kilter with anything remotely reasonable that this was an accident bound to happen. It's a shame it's Everton. It's a shame it's Chelsea, but this has just been festering and festering and festering. So there is a possibility Everton might have points deductions at the end of the season because they missed financial fair play problems. But as, as Bob and, and uh, Arvind have alluded to, I suspect this is the first of many of, uh, of, the, of, of the, the dream imploding. You can't have £100 million spent on a player and not look at the consequences. That is, it's, it's, it's been obscene for too long. Mm. Well, with all these clubs uh, getting point deductions and sanctions, who knows, Bob? Uh, Nottingham Forest could actually be uh, promoted. but uh, <laughs> or, or, or Leeds, Arvin, could stay. Me, uh, but uh, we're, we're going to get on to actual football in a moment when we come back uh, in our second part here on On The Ball on BFM 89.9. Deserves a goal, that lovely return pass just wide. On The Ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back on On The Ball, and now we're going to talk actual football. We're going to start here with Premier League, some of the matches that were played over the weekend. We were talking about Chelsea just now, so why don't we continue? Bob, Norwich won Chelsea 3. Uh, it was a stroll in the park for Chelsea, and Norwich, well, oh, poor old Norwich. Well, stroll in the park, um, I think they did well to keep their minds on the actual football. Um, given what uh, what had just been uh, happening, uh, they were told when they were boarding the plane, note, boarding the plane, uh, this is a London club going to Norwich, which is all of about Two 150 hours? Ks. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, I mean, the environment is one thing. The carbon footprint is, is another. Um, but the sheer waste of money. And you see why... A figure of twenty thousand pounds for an overnight stay or a, a, or a visit to an away game uh, is needed. Twenty thousand pounds. This is a squad of what seventeen players, a manager, a couple of coaches, twenty um, odd people at the most, and they require twenty thousand pounds to put up for a night, or not even a night in some cases. Um, that's where. We're talking obscenities on a small scale. But uh, getting back to the game, no, it was the Chelsea of old or the Chelsea 
it was business as usual, as Thomas Tuchel said. And I think his immediate reaction to this news has been very good, very sound. It was exactly what players and fans wanted to hear. They're carrying on. Um, they have to until they're told otherwise. And OK, the opposition wasn't great, but they did it in a businesslike way. Um, and uh, Norwich, they came back a bit towards the end, but uh, Chelsea uh, held them off. Kai Havertz scored again. He's in a um, hot streak of form, isn't he? So um, that that uh, potential hiccup, I think you have to consider it that uh, when the news was announced and you're playing against a side that's fighting for its life, uh, they could have stumbled, but they didn't. So uh, well done, Chelsea and Thomas Tuchel. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so uh, let's move on then to uh, Arvin and uh, your team. Leeds nil, Aston Villa three. I thought that Villa looked like Leeds, uh, but better. And uh, Leeds looked like Leeds, but worse. <laughs> Although Bamford's back, so there's something. Uh, it's barely something, to be honest. Uh, since Jesse March's appointment, the team played well against Leicester. I thought they were a bit unfortunate not to get anything at Leicester. But they were outclassed by Villa last time. I mean, some of the same problems that Marcelo Bielsa had, Jesse March has started to realise what he's inherited. There's a lot of flack going towards the directors and the owner of the club right now because uh, it's a thin squad and that's no fault. I, I feel it's no fault to, to the directors and the owners because that's how Marcelo Bielsa operated on it. But Leeds right now are, are in dire straits. They are the third, for me, favourite team to get relegated and it's very hard for me to say. After Norwich and Watford, on current form they are, taking aside um, Everton getting smacked by Spurs last week. But there's very few bright sparks. There was a moment in the game and I watched it when the camera zoomed in to Calvin Phillips and Liam Cooper, the last two essentials that need to come back into the team. And they looked like, how are we going to solve this issue? This weekend against Norwich, if Leeds don't win at home, I think they're doomed. And it's it's not easy reading. So, yeah, not, not, not looking good at this moment in time. Um, Jesse March, I, I feel for him because you've, you've got someone who's new to the league. You're asking him to implement a new system in a, in a span of 10 to 11 games. It's never easy for a manager like that. So, But yeah, Villa were brilliant. I thought Coutinho, again, out of this world. Mm. You know, if Leeds do go down, I don't know if we should get Arvin on, on air. I don't know if he'll be able to cope with, uh, emotionally. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly uh, when you need Arvin on air. Tia is a great, great media. Okay. All right, we'll do it then. And we will really squeeze it out of him. Um, so uh, let's stay down at the bottom of the uh, the table, uh, Des. Wolves four. Wolves four. Watford nil. Watford, oh, they desperately need it. And I thought that uh, Roy Hodgson was the man who could give them some clean sheets. But some some really good goals here from uh, from Wolves. Ah, some pretty dreadful goals as well. The own goal, um, or not the own goal, but Ben Foster laid mm. one on the plate, uh, a, a poor kick out. And I, I'm a big fan of Ben Foster. I, I watch his, um, you know, the podcast from behind the goal. I love that very much. Uh, but they also conceded an own goal and they were three down after, what, 25 minutes? Um, that's not a great way to start. And it's, it's confidence. Like you, like you, Cam, I thought Roy Hodgson would come in and at least organise them. But um, I've always got a problem. If anyone's got a player called Cathcart playing with centre back, you're, you're not going to you're not going to survive. That is that is agricultural <laughs> name for an agricultural player. And he's gone down with Blackpool. He's going down with Watford. I don't see a way out for them. And um, uh, 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 Wolves scoring four. Wolves don't score four in in, in training. 
so that that's that, that, that's just a testimony to how poor Watford defended. And I think they are doomed. I think Leeds are in big trouble as well, Arvind, I'm sorry to say. Mm. But Wolves, on the other hand, I mean, that, that's that been a good story for this season. They've done they've done well, higher than I thought. Uh, they have, and I've got to say that, that final goal from Neves. What a gem of a goal it was. I don't know whether you've seen it. Go on to YouTube. There's a little chip. Glenn Hoddle did one for Tottenham against Watford years ago. That uh, uh, sticks in the memory. This is one of those goals that just sticks in the memory. Um, and Wolves have got good players. Yeah, I think that they have back-to-back defeats recently. Was it Arsenal and not sure the other one, but they have back-to-back defeats that I think have cost them a chance of a top four place. But still possibility outside for top six. Mm. So Cathcart, not a good name, but Hoddle somehow is the name Hoddle. Yeah? Wondrous. Wondrous, Wondrous is it? <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's how it works. Uh, Bob. Um, well, I was going to say staying down the bottom of the table with Newcastle, but they're not at the bottom anymore. Uh, Southampton, a team I, I, I just I cannot understand anymore. Um, but uh, the producer, honey, have told me I, I must be more respectful for to toward Southampton. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so Southampton won Newcastle two. I think it was the second Newcastle goal goal of the season for me. Yeah, uh, Guimaraes, a bit of Brazilian magic. Um, we'd wondered what uh, when we were going to see him. He'd been um, on the bench and uh, playing for a couple of minutes here, a couple of minutes there. But this was his first start. I mean, he signed in January. And I don't know whether Eddie Howe didn't think he was fit enough or strong enough or what. But um, he's brought him on very, very slowly. And they finally got their reward. You can see that this guy is quality. He was their most expensive uh, January signing. In fact, they spent half their cash on on him. And we thought that he might have interested uh, some bigger clubs. But anyway, Newcastle got him. And they're pretty much safe now. Uh, Mathematically, perhaps not quite. But I think they can relax. I mean, as you say, they're not at the bottom anymore. And they've won six out of seven games. Um, I mean, this is uh, this is dream stuff because we thought um, they were serious candidates to, for the drop, didn't we? At one stage, nothing seemed to be going right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Eddie Howe's done a good job there. It started slowly, but um, they're, they're certainly going to be in the Premier League next season. But um, with reference to Abramovich... I think they, their owners will be the most worried of any other owners if the government is going to get really tough. On the other hand, sorry to strain to politics here, but on the other hand, they are talking about getting Saudi Arabian oil to replace Russian oil. So in that case, if that's true and they're going to cozy up to Saudi Arabia, despite what they did to Khashoggi, then I guess Newcastle are going to be very safe. But we have, sadly, as Des says, we've got politics now and war even intruding on our football. Um, it's a sad situation, but when you accept money from these, these uh, billionaire foreign owners, we don't know where it's come from, then this is always likely to happen. Oh, Bob, have they all passed the fit and proper person test? <laughs> I think I would pass it, uh, Cam. 
So unless Bob Holmes discovers an enormous source of oil and uh, is able to buy any club he wants, <laughs> I guess we're going to be in trouble in the future. But let's jump away from the Premier League into the Champions League and look at well, quite an extraordinary turnaround. It was Real Madrid versus Paris Saint-Germain. And, um, well, it was PSG were in the lead up to the first half. So it became ultimately, though, Paris Saint-Germain one, uh, Karim Benzema three. Arvin, you're a fan of Real Madrid. I've, I always dismiss them as being a, a kind of a two comedy teams for me, actually. Oh, sorry, producer Honey, if I'm, I am disrespectful to uh, minor clubs. Um, you know, extraordinary. I mean, there's something about Real Madrid. They can, they can step up. You've got to give it to them. Yeah, Leeds is my first love, but Real Madrid have got a soft spot because of my late granddad, so I will, I will continue to support them. But this, this is the reason why Real Madrid are the kings of Europe. I mean, Kylian Mbappe across the two games showed that he's the prince, but in Madrid right now, the king is still Karim Benzema. I mean, when you look at the way that he was just given a sniff of opportunities for three goals. Yes, the first goal, Donnarumma shouldn't have done what Donnarumma did. I mean, at any time, it's a 50-50. It can be called for a foul. It can be called for another foul. Either way, but for you're a tall goalkeeper. You're a lanky individual. Just clear the ball out. Why are you trying to be fancy on the byline? There's no need for that. The second goal, great, great play by Modric. I mean, at 36, for him to be able to do that, to outrun a midfield five and do that. And then the third one right after that, that's what Madrid do to you. They've done this year on year because there is a mentality in that club that they show up on the biggest nights in Europe. And they've done it. They might not win the Champions League this year because there's still quite a lot of other stronger teams than likes of them, Man City, the Liverpools, and potentially even Bayern. But Madrid, you can never count them out. And I think PSG are feeling very robbed at this moment, not because of the decision, in my opinion, because in a pretext that Kylian Mbappe has done a great audition for them, for Madrid. And if he ends up going on a free to Madrid at the end of the season, this PSG project hasn't worked for years. I mean, the only thing that they can count on is winning League One. And they didn't even win it last year. So for me, Pochettino to go at the end of the season, PSG collapsed for Madrid. Kings of Europe always have been. Yeah. Uh, Des, we're going to go to uh, the Liverpool match. And I wish I could do a, a layoff to you as subtle and sublime as Luka Modric did for the for the second goal. And uh, the calamitous defending, actually, by the way, with PSG was was worse than Watford. It was it was just hilarious. But anyway, Liverpool, Liverpool uh, lost this match. It was Liverpool nil into Milan one, but they would still go through. Um, uh, Liverpool, champions of Europe? No, no, sorry. You said Ma- Manchester United. <laughs> I did not, but never mind. Let's not let <laughs> the truth get in the way of a good story. Firstly, about uh, Real Madrid and, and uh, PSG, isn't it great to see that money doesn't buy success? Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, Liverpool. So I've been read. I've been quite amused reading the the uh, the articles. Liverpool were outplayed. Um, uh, the Klopp was outcoached. Liverpool got through fine. Um, played played okay. Struggling to score goals, which is a, a slight problem, which we haven't had for a long. Uh, Liverpool haven't had for a long time. But hit the post twice. Hit the post three times. Had the chance from Diaz right at the end. It was. Um, if you're going to lose a game, lose a game where you're 2-0 up from the first leg. 
Uh, I hope, though, that the, the goal thing, I, I've just got this sneaking feeling that the African Cup of Nations is catching up just a little bit on Mo Salah and Sadio Mane, just a little bit. And Diaz is he's great, he's getting all the plaudits, but he's not scoring goals. So that's my only minor concern. But uh, progress, quarterfinals, again, top club, everyone will want to avoid Liverpool. Mm. Quarterfinals again. Oh, they're so blase. Four, four years in fair. five. It's no, I, I don't mean that to be blase. I mean, it's fantastic. It is. Liverpool fans, enjoy Jurgen Klopp while you've got him because the billion dollars elsewhere mean that li- this, what Liverpool are doing on slightly less billions, is unsustainable in the long run. They are no. massively, massively overachieving as a club. And so enjoy this ride while you've got it, Liverpool. Well, Bob, let's talk about billions of dollars in the game. Manchester City nil, Sporting uh, nil, but Man City go through five nil on aggregate. Um, I thought it. I think it's pretty good actually when a, a team like City are able to to be so businesslike. Really, uh, yeah, but uh, they were accused of uh, disrespect to the opponents by bringing on their third choice keeper. Um, late on, uh, is actually uh, second choice on the night because the second guy is uh, injured at the moment. But um, Scott Carson came on, uh, 36 years old, same as Luka Mod- Modric, so he's not that ancient, and uh, had to make a good save, then got injured, looked like he was going off, but uh, survived till the end. And I mean, instead of carping on about disrespect, I think it was a great gesture by Pep to show uh, a loyal servant, well, he's not that loyal to City because he hasn't been there that long, but the loyal servant to the game and give him an, an outing in the Champions League. I don't see anything wrong with that with a 5-0 lead and 10 minutes to go. Um, I think people are getting a bit pernickety. And Pep also gave um, a couple of youngsters we'd uh, barely heard of uh, a, a run out as well. Um, he's always done that. He brought Phil Foden on like that um, from the youth team, very callow youngster, um, but giving him a few minutes here, a few minutes there, and look at him now. So uh, Pep has always been very keen on the academy at City, despite all the billions they have. And, um, you know, he's probably thinking he's got a couple of other Phil Foden's there in his locker. So um, satisfactory evening for City, only disappointing uh, thing was that Gabriel Jesus has been almost a forgotten man, had the ball in the net uh, twice, didn't he, um, and should have had a penalty. Uh, so he'll feel a bit aggrieved um, that he didn't get on the score sheet, but at least he reminded us of his uh, presence. So City are in the draw, job done, um, n- and no serious injuries to report. Hmm. Well, and uh, uh, sorry, uh, uh, lack of respect to uh, minor club Bayern Munich. Uh, we, we've run out of time on this section, so we're going to have to jump past you. because. But you got through, no problems. Bayern Munich 7, Salzburg 1. Uh, Lewandowski with a hat-trick. But uh, we'll come back to, in a moment, we're going to go to Europa League here on On The Ball, BFM 89.9. Off the line. How important did that turn out to be in the end? On the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back on On the Ball with Arvin Sidhu, Des Corkill, and Bob Holmes. And so, Arvin, I want to jump straight to you. Europa League, Sevilla 1, West Ham 0. You have to, I mean, the cup every year, they must carve on the name of Sevilla and then on the final 
either scratch it out or just leave it there. Is this uh, a bridge too far for West Ham? It's in the first leg, by the way, of the uh, the last 16. No, I don't think it's a bridge too far. I mean, yeah, Sevilla are Europa League specialists, six-time winners. They've edged this leg out 1-0. And this is a Sevilla that's better teams like Man United and Wolves in the last couple of years. So West, they're familiar to English opposition. Um, but no, I, I still think that West Ham heading to, uh, having them back at the London Stadium have an opportunity to turn this around. Because they, they for me, in, when you look at that game, West Ham actually created the better chances in the first 45 minutes. They did. And going to a volatile Ramon Sanchez pick one stadium, that's not easy to do. So Sevilla, yes, Mune Al-Hadi was a great goal, by the way. Uh, if, like Des says, when you check out some of the goals that you that, that he mentioned earlier, try and get this on YouTube as well. Nice free kick in from Marcos Acuna and then a, f- a finish by Munir. So for me, West Ham are still in this. But some of the stuff is quite funny. I mean, Anthony Marshall seemed to have swapped the bench for Man United to be on the bench on Sevilla because he's kind of lost his way a little bit there. But again, at the London Stadium, don't count West Ham out. It's only 1-0, but Sevilla just have the experience of this league. They know how to win it. Mm. I still think Sevilla is going to win. I mean, it's just like it's just, it's just a given. But uh, Des, uh, a line, a match which I I don't know for some reason I immediately saw, thought like oh this must be 1975 again. Something like Rangers three, Red Star Belgrade nil. Uh, again, Europa League last 16 first leg. That's pretty good for Rangers. Yeah, I, Ibrox was absolutely bumping. They might be a little bit vulnerable going to Belgrade because Belgrade will be a, a, a very hostile environment. But uh, what, a, what a terrific performance. And Giovanni Van Bronckhorst has stepped into the, the work Steven Gerrard had done. Uh, Tavernier keeps scoring penalties and keeps scoring goals. And um, that, that, that's a great result. I, I, I follow Scottish football. I was a student up in Scotland. So I, uh, when people decry it, I... I I, I hate it, so I'm I'm loving the fact that and Postecoglou's got Celtic going again. Um, I'm a Catholic, not a Protestant, so less less enamoured by Rangers. But it's good for Scottish football to be seen in a positive light. Uh, the national team's doing okay. Rangers coming okay. They they promote uh, Scottish players through their system for them to get through to the the latter stages, as I hope they will, uh, is is great news for for Scottish football and and for Rangers. And uh, the place was pumping. It's an Go, go to Rangers, go to Celtic. If you ever have a chance to go to a game, go to either Rangers or Celtic on a big day. It's fantastic. And I think I read somewhere that uh, the Red Star Belgrade Stadium is one of the most inhospitable. Incredibly. The players' tunnel goes under uh, and it, it, it's, it's like a cavern. It's horrible. Yeah, but that's very, very quickly then. Bit of context. If Rangers were in the Premier League, where do you think they'd be? Uh, top off. Mid, right. mid to top off for Leicesterish. Okay, okay. Uh, well, speaking of Leicester, we're now going to jump across to uh, um, to the uh, Europa Conference. I have so, so much trouble remembering this particular... Oh, sorry, lack of respect for the Europa Conference League. Uh, Leicester 2, Rouen 0. Bob, Leicester finally coming good after a pretty difficult time recently. Yeah, they've not had the best season, uh, they uh, started off in the uh, Europa League, didn't they? And they got relegated to the conference. But they're 2-0 at home. Uh, Ren are not a bad side. Um, but uh, I think Leicester will be confident that they can uh, hold this um, in the away leg. And uh, no away goals, of course, uh, doesn't come into it. 
um, straightforward matter, I think. And they've got one or two of their uh, injured players back. Um, Vardy is, um, he came back briefly, didn't he? But uh, got injured again. So I'm not quite sure how long he's uh, he's out for. Um, but they've got a, a, a reasonable squad. And I think this season, they, they're probably going to miss out on qualification for Europe um, unless they win the, uh, this conference league. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a bit of a middling season. But bear in mind, they had catastrophic injuries to contend with at the start. And I think their trophy chances were essentially scuppered by September. So uh, I think you've got any criticism of Brendan Rodgers, there's certainly mitigating circumstances there. But Bob, do you think Brendan Rodgers is going to be there next season? I would say so, yeah. I think so. I think he's um, he's got enough credit in the bank there. Yeah, but I mean, uh, other places might, might offer him something nice. Well, I think he's got enough credit, but there was a talk even, wasn't there, of uh, him being sacked not so long ago during a dry spell for Leicester. Um, he's not been that great for the big clubs to uh, want him. So I think he's in, sort of in between, which means he'll probably stay there. No. Uh, apologies to the uh, many other matches that were played in the Europe Conference. I'm going to mention one, though, which was Marseille 2, Basel 1. I only mention that because Marseille is my favourite team. Oh, finally, it's come out. <laughs> uh, no, Marseille is great. And uh, so we move on, though, to the uh, Premier League. We're going to look at some of the matches that are coming up over the weekend. And we have some uh, tantalizing possibilities of movements up and down. Let's start with uh, Arvin. Let's go to you. Chelsea versus Newcastle United. This is our match on Sunday. Chelsea uh, are in third. I mean, really, third is the best I think they can possibly get. But that's good. And Newcastle United perhaps wanting to prove more of what they can do. Perhaps they have the uh, the momentum. You know, they've got good, like like Bob mentioned earlier. I mean, the the, the win ratio and the undefeated streak that they've had in twenty twenty two has literally just saved them from being relegated in another season in the Premier League. I think for Newcastle, what's key is the transfers that they've made have all had impact. We saw Kieran Trippier come in before his injury. He got them a good six points. Now you see the likes of Dan Byrne contributing to goals. Chris Wood scored his first goal the other day. And then Gumaris as well scored his first goal. So the transfers that they have bought for the short-term target, at least to stay up and kind of solidify them for next season, has worked. Um, Chelsea, this is going to be a little bit of a bittersweet game for them because from what I understand, it will be a full capacity at Stamford Bridge. The 3,000 allocation of the tickets for Newcastle have been fully taken up because it happened before the sanctions came, came into play. But the other home matches will be impacted. So literally, Chelsea versus West Ham, which is the next home game that Chelsea have, will be the first Premier League game, from what I understand, without away fans. So this would be one that they would want to go through. But Chelsea being Chelsea, they'll be professional. And Newcastle, because of the buffer that they've created, they can afford to lose a game like this. So I expect Chelsea to just kind of make their way through. A nice 2-0, nice another clean sheet on their, their books for me. And Arvin, do you think next season, because, I mean, you know, the amount of money that uh, Newcastle United 
can draw upon now is obscene. Uh, Kylian Mbappe no. in Newcastle next season? I, I think that's fantasy football because for me, you look at what PSG has done. PSG has got a lot of money. They're the most powerful club in the world from a money standpoint right now. But they haven't been able to do, and they were an established name in the French division that were qualifying for the Champions League. They've never won the European Cup, but they've, they've been in the European Cup. Like I said, it's fantasy to think that, yes, they've got a lot of money behind the Saudi regime, but it's going to take them years to build on that. It's not an immediate next season top four. You look at the established order. Are they going to get City out of that? No. Are they going to get Liverpool out of that? I don't think so. Chelsea are there. Arsenal, Man United, Spurs, they've got the experience. It will take a few good years. And the signings that they've bought now is an upgrade signing. But for them to get to the tier two, tier one players, those players are going to want to see Newcastle move on year on year. No. So for me, the Haaland's, the Mbappe's, they're not going to come to the, to Newcastle at this moment in time. Yeah. Meanwhile, though, there must be some people with names like Cathcart that they can get rid of. Yeah. 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 I mean, just call the kind of... ML Craft at the back, that's another name for you. So They okay. just signed Dan Byrne. That's a relegation <laughs> for you. <laughs> You're right, but that one does have relegation written all over it. Um, okay, uh, uh, Des, I want to ask you about uh, not Liverpool. I'm going to take you away from Merseyside. Uh, a team which I've been surprised by this season. And I think, I don't know, actually the, the team that I think that I look forward to seeing the most, Crystal Palace versus Man City which is going to be played on Tuesday. Yeah, so that's, that's the Monday night game in, in, in England. And I, I think you're dead right to mention it because I, I think this is a, a real banana skin for Man City. I've been, we've, we've been talking at Palace all season. Now they're just beginning to get some results going. They're in the cup. Uh, it, the, they're seeming to get more results. And uh, going to Palace, I mean, I, I think it was Palace who won at Man City this year. or last. It is. Only won, You're 2-0. They won yeah. there last year, two years in a row, isn't it? So I, I, they know how to take, take on City. They can be nice and physical. So um, I, I think this is a real banana skin for Manchester City. And... It wouldn't surprise me if Palace got at least a point, maybe all three. But then again, I've tipped Man United to win the European Cup, as you said. So um, <laughs> I, 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 a pinch of salt. I did not, by the way. I need to cut. I said, don't be surprised if they go to the final. We we don't we don't work on nuances here on on the ball. Sorry, uh, but 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 Des, quickly. I mean, if if let's say uh, uh, City do trip up here and and Crystal Palace win. Are we in for a title race then with Liverpool? Uh, so a, a lot of it, um, everyone's saying it's all about the Liverpool game at um, uh, Manchester City on 9th, 10th of April, which it is. But Liverpool have got to win all their games. That's, that's, that's a, a, a little difficult. They've got Arsenal away soon. They've got Brighton away this weekend. Good time to meet Brighton. But then they've got Arsenal away. And that, I think, could be pivotal. It might mean the Manchester City game is almost irrelevant. But uh, yes, we've got a title race. Absolutely got a title race. Hmm. Okay, well, uh, Bob, I, I actually wanted to keep Des away from Liverpool, but, he, but we managed to get, make it happen. <laughs> uh, but Bob, I'm going to ask you then. Brighton versus Liverpool. Brighton um, have very good spells this season. And could they trip up Liverpool? Uh, well, they did last season, didn't they? At uh, Anfield, no less. Uh, but they've just had a very bad spell. I think they're five or six uh, games now in a row that they've lost. Uh, they're not in any danger because they started the season so well. But, uh, yeah, Liverpool won't be taking this lightly. Um, that uh, defeat, in inverted commas, to um, Inter 
would have been a bit of a reality check. I think Klopp would have looked at it as a kind of a reminder not to get too carried away. People were talking about the quad um, and all that, and he, he quickly doused uh, those suggestions. No one has ever done it, and I don't think they're going to um, in the foreseeable future. I don't think Liverpool are going to do it, and that's not because they're playing Forest in the FA Cup, but um, I somehow think it's beyond them. I think the league may may just be beyond them. It's possible they could do a treble um, and and win uh, and win three cups. I wouldn't rule that out actually, but league might just be beyond them. And that's probably the one they want most. This, um, there'll be a reshuffle in the ranks. Uh, I think Mane might get a rest. Uh, as Des said, he, you know, he and uh, even Salah, the supremely fit Mo Salah, has not quite hit the high notes that he had, um, that he was doing on a regular basis before the AFCON. And now that such is the uh, strength and depth of Liverpool, that they can afford to rest these guys. I mean, look at the choice he's got in midfield now. Even Thiago came back in midweek. He's got Curtis Jones, he's got Harvey Elliott, he's got Cater, uh, and he still finds room to bring on James Milner. And notice he's using Jordan Henderson sparingly. I think that's for to make sure he's still available for the um, big games at the end of the season. But he's juggling this... I think very well. And in, and the point is that even if Liverpool find themselves behind after an hour, I think they've got the guys on the bench who can turn it round. Yeah. Very quick show of hands. I want to know from you people, would you rather your team won the Premier League or the Champions League, if you could only have one? And I include Nottingham Forest in this one, uh, Bob. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you for that, Cam. Your club's won it twice, which is more than... Yeah, we've only won the league once, but they won the Champions League twice. So which would you rather have? I think Champions League, actually. Uh, Yeah. Marvin? Oh, yeah, definitely. Leeds were the last first division champions, and they were robbed in the 1975 final with Bayern Munich. So Champions League for Leeds. And uh, Des, I mean, it could actually play. Premier League. That's 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 the real test. That's the real test. And uh, putting hands up on radio cam is, is, is unique. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. You got a good point there, but uh, but Des actually did give the correct answer. It is winning the Premier League, actually. Uh, but we move on, and we're going to have a bit more Premier League in a moment in our final part here on On the Ball BFM eighty nine point nine. It is a fine goal. Fine header. Fine goal. On the ball on BFM eighty nine point nine. And we're back, and we're going to have to go pretty fast on this one because we still got uh, plenty of Premier League matches, and we're going to talk Malaysian football as well. Arvin, I want to go to you. Uh, the tastiest, perhaps, uh, match of the weekend, which is Man United versus Tottenham. Two Spursy t- teams there. <laughs> yes, two very Spursy sided. And remember what I told you the last time you were on the show? I said to you Spurs would, would win against Everton because they got knocked out on the FA Cup. You did. You yeah, did, so and you th- were th- very right. That's probably a trend. And this one you would expect because of how they go up and down. You would probably expect Man United to surprise everyone and get a win. But this, for me, when you look at the personnel, it, I still think Man United missed a huge opportunity with Antonio Conte. Antonio Conte would have gone into that squad, sorted things out, and with the resources that Man United have that Spurs don't have, 
Antonio Conte would have made it work for Man United. The only problem is the board probably doesn't want a yes. They wanted a yes man. They didn't want someone to challenge them the way that Antonio Conte does with all the owners. So for me, um, United are due a good result. They need one. Uh, things are looking quite dire. Ronaldo is in the longest streak that he's had of not scoring. Is he injured? Isn't he injured? There's a lot of issues that Man United need to sort out. But you would pick it up for Spurs facing a team with a lot of issues for them to probably lose. So prediction is Man United to win this one. Okay. It's probably a trend, actually. Once you be Mourinho, you don't want to do a contact. No, but then again, then it's Spurs. I don't know. I just feel like wherever Mourinho goes, it, it's like a dead zone afterwards for years to come. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, uh, Des, Des, uh, I want to ask you, um, Arsenal versus Leicester. Arsenal have been a revelation for me. I was very dismissive of them at the beginning of the season. They had an appalling start and I couldn't understand what the, the process was. But there is a process and it's working. Yeah, I think we were all, uh, I've certainly said, oh, there's a, a crucial point for uh, Arteta just before a big defeat, Manchester City a few times. But th- th- to be fair to the Arsenal board, they have kept faith with him. They said it's a, it's a process and they will look after the manager. I think the biggest thing that's helped Arsenal is getting rid of, rid of Aubameyang because that's clearly said the coach is the boss. Aubameyang's a wonderful player. Terrific player, but he didn't fit into what Mikel Arteta wanted. And your manager or your coach has got to be the man in charge. He just has to be the man in charge. And then he can improve players. If it's his players, his responsibility, no no problem. So Arsenal, I think, are doing things very, very well. Um, I don't count them out for a top three, you know. Uh, I, I haven't. They've got games in hand. Um, they've got big games coming up. That's why I'm so worried from a Liverpool perspective on, on, on Arsenal. But I think they're very, very good. Leicester, I think they've got their eyes on Europa Conference, bizarrely. Um, so I'm not seeing a problem for Arsenal here. Uh, and Arteta carrying on some really good work. They're not quite top level yet, but they're not far off it. Uh, just before this this uh, section, I was saying that some some matches gonna have to be uh, bypassed. We don't have enough time, and I said Brentford Burnley, and Bob said, "But that's a really important six pointer." So, Bob, Brentford Burnley. Uh, well, I very much hope that Brentford win this. I want them to survive. Um, no disrespect to Burnley, but they're not the most attractive team, are they? And they've been kicking around the uh, bottom end of the top flight for years. And let's let's Brentford have a good run at it. Let's not see them go down in their first season back after 70-odd years. I think Brentford have shown enough attacking football. The, they deserve to stay for at least another year. So it could be a good game, this. As I say, six-pointer. And Burnley, to be fair, have been playing uh, a bit more attacking football of late. Uh, but I'd take Brentford. Now, Tony has rediscovered his shooting boots and they've got David Raya back in goal. Um, I'd take Brentford to win this and to survive. Because uh, at the beginning of the season, when I saw Brentford play, I thought they'd cracked the code. I thought they, they had cracked the code of how to survive in the Premier League as a team that's come up with limited resources. And, and I thought that code was the physicality, um, and they were not; they were unafraid. Yeah, well, they're not shrinking violets, Brentford. Uh, not at all. 
And um, I think they, they did enough in those early games and accumulated just enough points to survive. They did have a, a bad run of injuries. Goalkeeper was missing for most of the season. A very big loss. And he's back now, as I mentioned. And he could be the difference. He's already made a couple of vital saves to get them points. So with him back, uh, I, I think they'll just about do it. Yeah. And now we're going to go to the most important match of the weekend, which is Arvin. Leeds versus Norwich. Talk about a six-pointer, um, although Norwich mm, probably wouldn't survive anyway, but Leeds need this one badly. Badly. Um, I think it'll come down to Leeds and Burnley for that final spot. I think New- uh, Everton, because of the games in hand, they've got quite a few games in hand. I think they'll kind of get into the points that they need, even though they've got a really tough run of fixtures at the end. I think the last six games are dire for Everton. But Leeds, Leeds go into this one badly needing it. Uh, Bamford has to start. He's back. Leeds needs someone to put the ball into the back of the net. Five wins in the season is just not good enough. And for me, I've always said this about Leeds. As long as the points are the same as the number of games played, they'll be fine. If the season ends with 38 points and they get 38 games done, they'll be okay. The problem is right now, the, the games are lower, the points are lower and the games are increasing. So yeah, next season, it'll be me and Des debating whether the beauty of Leeds stays up but the beast of Burnley is still in the Premier League. So that's one way to <laughs> Okay, Des, uh, I have a theory, which is that when a, um, two teams play and one and they have the same kit, but one has to obviously play the away kit, the one that plays the away kit loses because they get confused. So you've got the two Claret and Blues, West Ham and Aston Villa. Um, who do you think is going to win this one? I, I mean, a very intriguing uh, lineup because I think that uh, Gerard's doing something special. Um, yeah, he went through a bit of a rut, uh, eight games or something without, but they, they came a, a big win over Southampton and then they had the big win over Leeds, where they played pretty well. Uh, Coutinho's come in and uh, added a little little certain something. Uh, I, West Ham, they're missing their chance. They had chances against Sevilla. They had big chance at Anfield last week. I just think they're struggling to score goals, so uh, a defeat here would really end their Champions League hopes, and I feel it's, go- it's going to be. As, as for your kit theory, well, it used to be that home teams played in, in one kit and away team are playing in a regular kit, but away teams are playing, away teams are playing in any old kit these days. It doesn't matter if there's a, a colour clash or not. So I think that old tradition's gone out of the window, which is a bad thing from my point of view. They're not going to both be in claret and blue, though. No, they can't be in claret and blue. But, um, <laughs> but it used to be distinctive. You used to have a distinctive, oh, that's Aston Villa away, or that's Manchester City uh, playing away from home. They had the old red and blue, uh, red and black stripes, Manchester City. Iconic. Now hmm. no, they, they wear some kind of uh, yuck. yuck. So, that's quickly, the beauty of Leeds or the beast of Burnley next season? So uh, Burnley are getting a little bit more beautiful and Leeds. You know what? I think your biggest mistake, losing Bielsa. I really do. Even if you'd gone down, I think he could have brought you back up a bigger, stronger, better team. Uh, And I I, I do believe that's a bit of a panic there. Um, But I do worry about I do worry about Leeds. Des, don't open that that wound again. He uh, he's he's only just managed to recover enough. But it's it's a modern way. You sack, 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 and they're not the old school, mate. I tell you, not all progress is good. Don't listen to him. He's trying to draw the tears out of you, Marvin. I know what he's doing. Uh, Bob, I want to ask you, we're running out of time, but we're going to have to do Southampton-Watford because I've rather dismissed Southampton in the past. So Southampton-Watford, I won't be watching this match, but who's going to win? 
Southampton, I think. Um, Watford have not uh, really responded to uh, Roy Hodgson, have they? Um, not uh, significantly anyway. Um, I mean, they kept a couple of clean sheets, but then they get hammered by Wolves uh, 4-0 the other night. Uh, I think they're down. I really are, uh, do. And Southampton are safe, uh, sitting there with 35 points. Um, they've had an up and down season. They're not going to get into Europe or anything, but uh, they, I mean, the amount of investment uh, they're doing, they're probably punching above their weight. I mean, they are essentially a selling club, aren't they? They've sold Liverpool about seven players in recent times and very good ones too. But if you've got to do that, you're never going to really get anywhere. And 10th is probably par. And I think uh, Ralph Hassenhutl is a good manager. He's, uh, I think he's doing a good job. So I'd be amazed if he wasn't there for the start of next season. So, yeah, comfortable win for Saints. Excellent. Thank you, Bob. Sorry, didn't know I have time to talk about uh, Nottingham Forest 2, Huddersfield 1 in the FA Cup. Well done. Next week, we'll make up for it. Yeah, okay. I, what, a whole a whole episode. Um, Arvin, very quickly, because I want to give Des time for the Malaysian football. Uh, Everton Wolves. Um. Wolves are good, Nick. Wolves have, have kind of solidified after the recent blip that they've had. Everton on free fall. Uh, Everton thinking like what we talked about earlier. They've got off the pitch issues. They've got on the pitch issues as well. I Lampard came with a lot of enthusiasm at the start, but I've seen his career. I've seen, and it's happened with Derby. It's happened with Chelsea. He starts off really well, but it fades off over time. I think tactically, he's not at the level of Steven Gerrard. So for me, Wolves to, to Nick this one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hey, uh, we're going to go now to um, Malaysian football, and we turn to our expert on Malaysian football, Des Corkill. What's happening in the local game? Well, uh, this weekend it's FA Cup first round weekend, but um, in midweek there was uh, games, and Johor Darul Taksim, I'm afraid, are already showing that they are likely to be too strong. They went six nil. Uh, in the week against Sarawak United. Played 2-1-2, no goals conceded. Kedah are the only team really keeping uh, track with them. Kedah uh, beat Kuala Lumpur City 3-2. KL City, have conceded, who were so mean defensively last year, uh, conceded now six goals in their opening two matches. Very entertaining, but not good for the hearts of the manager. Uh, but but the, the message is all about Johor and who can stick with them. One of the teams, Tringanu, were expected to stick with them, but they've had both of their matches postponed because of COVID outbreak. So they're two games behind. So they'll run into a backlog of games later on. But at the moment, it's, it's sadly, it's looking like even at this very early stage of the season, Johor uh, are, are the team to beat. Um, but yeah, there's a bit of a break now for the FA Cup and for an international break. And they recommence in the middle of uh, April, would you believe, for the round three matches. Okay, and we will we will come back uh, and bring you the news on that in time. Well, we're and we're on time, and we've covered a hell of a lot in this show. And uh, I'd like to thank our amazing pundits, Arvin Sidhu. Thank you, everyone. Have a nice weekend, Bob Holmes. Thanks, everyone, and enjoy the football. And we'll be doing the uh, one-hour special on the history of Nottingham Forest and. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to do that. I think it'd be great. And uh, and Des Corkill. Always a pleasure, Cam. And um, let's hope that finances don't ruin football any more than they already have. Well, you can always watch Conference League or something. I do, mate. I do, and I watch Local <laughs> League. And I've been saying this for years and years. Get away. It's not just about the big clubs. 
Okay. Oh, okay. Thank you, Daddy. And so that brings us to the end of the show. And uh, thank you very much for listening. And please join us on Monday for Off the Ball. But for now, it's On the Ball here on BFM 89.9. He cannot win the title without an outstanding goalkeeper. And he's been absolutely brilliant. On the Ball on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.